0: Hello and welcome to another Not Chilly podcast, now in HD, which uh, means absolutely nothing except for the fact that I have been able to increase the bitrate of the output. Today, uh, I'm actually talking with a friend of mine named Tom, and he and I are talking about Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, specifically because of his knowledge of Chinese art theory, and so it was an amazing conversation that was supposed to be just about the movie, but turned into a, a long conversation about Chinese history and how it relates with the themes of the film. Um, I don't want to obviously dive into it too much because the podcast says it all. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. Here it is. So Thank you, sir. Now it would be inappropriate to spill your drink. Correct. Um, all right.
1: Oh. So it only made an estimated one and a half million in China. Whoa. And it was shot in China. Well, yeah, no, that's quite. Uh, oh, point. so Lee is Taiwanese. Now fucking surprise then. What do you mean? He's from Taiwan and Taiwan is where the previous government before the Chinese government um, fled to.
0: So the civil war in
1: China was between the the, um, the mm. nationalists and the communists the nationalists fled after the communist victory in 1949 to Taiwan and set up government there mm. and they were competing for many decades over who gets the right to call themselves the basically China um, and for a long time Taiwan, the Taiwanese seat of China aka the former China mm-hmm. uh, put an embargo basically on its because they had strong had pretty solid relationships with a lot of other countries so and given them in the 50s, everyone was anti-communist in the West. Um, well, still are, but more explicitly so. Um, they would have said, yeah, we're not recognizing uh, mainland China until Richard Nixon in 1971 or something like that. Jeez. So anyways, there's bad blood between Taiwan who, who espouse independence to this day from China. And China says, you're not independent, you're part of China. So Ang Lee being Taiwanese... Unsurprising, given the ne- the patriotism of your average Chinese viewer.
0: Sorry to completely block. No, it's fine. No, no, I'm good here. I'm good here. Mm. <laughs> it's like I'm a- plus piracy, I suppose. Oh right, do you think piracy? But um,
1: but, uh, but but if if, if the f- if the government wanted the film to be um, promoted, they would have
0: they would have made a lot more than that. Well, could you imagine? Mm. Like one percent of the population watching the movie. Mm. I mean, that itself would be mm-hmm. fucking epic.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, do you feel like
1: Yeah, man, I'm ready to go.
0: So, mm-hmm. uh let's let's actually start this Road Pony. Mm. Road pony off.
1: get, uh, that. get that.
0: There's analogies going <laughs> straight off the bat. <laughs> fucking road pony, man. Right? Let's get this road pony on um, the road. On the footpath. Pony. Let's get that road pony on the footpath. Um, we're talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a movie that I just watched. Tom watched many years ago, many times, and then rewatched segments of. Um, but we have a unique perspective here, which is you, Tom, your your appreciation, understanding of Chinese culture and. Uh, the creative side of it in particular, like the arts and things, and the way that people express themselves through such an amazing, like we were just talking about a little while ago, and how what, what always blows my mind is that being so um, ingrained in Western culture to see how unique and beautiful that side of the world is and mm. you just you just forget about it because you're just like oh yeah world war Two, world war one you know american yeah. civil war australian you know like um the, how like the convicts came here and how we you know completely destroyed a culture here it's like you think of all those things you're like oh yeah, that's history mm. it's like no <laughs> like totally. one of the biggest populations in the world one of the most like and we just don't even know about them
1: yeah the, the biggest population in terms of um complexity though i think what you're quite right what's What I'm only really scratching the surface of in terms of my experience looking into um, and researching Chinese culture is um, that the complexity and diversity of China, the thing that we call China, is rivals if not exceeds um, the complexity of the whole of Europe Mm. in terms of thinking about that land mass and all of that kind of diversity, cultural diversity, linguistic diversity exists Mm. at least the same level if not at a greater level then um in china so yeah there's no such thing as just
0: china but i was gonna ask how well has it been kept i've always been curious about this how, how well has what? so like history in china in particular Re-
1: actual record keeping yeah, yeah yeah that's that's a really good question the earliest records which mention dynasties referred to two dynasties which have no clear records of their own uh, and we're talking about uh, around the same time as you know the pyramids were being built which to my knowledge is something like 3000 BCE that might be totally wrong um, that was the the Xia and subsequently the Shang dynasty two dynasties which are certainly almost certainly kind of legitimate real dynasties, but which have few archaeological and um, documentary little evidence to kind of offer much, too much to kind of uh, give a sense of the whole picture. But um, following the, um, these dynasties, the first dynasty that we have a really kind of comprehensive uh, archaeological and documentary record so uh, physical objects and mm-hmm. written works mm-hmm. is the uh, Qin dynasty, not to be confused with the Qing dynasty, which is the <laughs> last <laughs> dynasty, which is actually the dynasty that uh, we explore in this film or yeah. that not so much explorers yeah, this film is set in. And we probably, you probably know of this dynasty at least through the um, terracotta warriors in mm-hmm. Xi'an. Uh, mm-hmm. So the emperor uh, whose then was, well, he was the declared himself the first emperor of China. So he was really the one who forged uh, what would become the empire of China. Wow. Uh, Qin Shi Huangdi, the first emperor um, and of the Qin, what would become the Qin dynasty. So we're talking, uh, again, this is, I mean, I, I'm just going to pull it up because I get the dates a little bit wrong, but we're talking um, in the, in the uh, very recent BC. So yeah, uh, between 221 and 206 BC. So we're talking kind of uh, just a few hundred years before the turn to the common era. So common error. The common, common error. So what, what was used to be called um, after death, you know, AD. Ah, uh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. But of course, yeah. it's kind of weird when you start to peg a whole like calendar to the birth and death of a, of a, a
0: religious figure. Yeah, that um, exists in a particular
1: culture. But, of course, even if we say common era, it's still the same mm. pegging of the well, two. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so it, the, the, the records really start to, f- um, despite all of the book burning that Emperor Qin Shi Huang was,
0: that was infamous
1: question. for doing, um, uh, the records of that uh, dynasty are quite comprehensive and since then it's been extremely comprehensive.
0: Okay, so there was like a big like burning of all information at some Mm. point.
1: That's an interesting one. Um, Obviously, one of the famous, aside from the Terracotta Warriors, one of the most famous, I'd say, contributions of (laughs) Qin Shi Huang to history is um, kind of burning all of the records is the narrative. But um, really what it was more like was, wasn't just burning of all records. Um, it, was, it was destruction of um, or attempt to destroy literary works, which, of course, back then would have been, you know, <laughs> the book, there's just the one scroll. It's not mm, like,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. oh, you just buy another one and download it or whatever. Yeah. It's like <laughs> destroy that. That scroll, is yeah. that's the knowledge gone. Um, but of course, people make copies mm. uh, by hand, so scribes could secretly be making copies. But it was more kind of a set of categories which would challenge the, let's say, Qin monopoly on history. Uh, and there is a theme which runs through all of dynastic China, where each kind of, you know, uh, dynastic power in its, you know, when, it, when it's first taking the harnesses of, um, uh, of, of, of the empire. Uh, tries to bend history to fit its rule such that everything seems to be building to this point mm-hmm. um, so that they become the master of the past as well as of the present. Um, so this was certainly the case in the most extraordinary uh, or the, perhaps one of the more exaggerated ways rather for Qin Shi Huang to literally destroy any records which seem to offer some kind of alternative um, historical narrative that would maybe make people think that Tin Shi Huang was one of many contenders to the throne, or one of many potential contenders. But instead, you know, his 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 um, hope was that all written documentary, uh, all the all the written records would indicate quite clearly and with no alternatives that he was the. Ruler, and there were none that could stand up to him.
0: Was that kind of like selected burning then? It
1: was kind of? much more, yeah. And even then, there is a lot of um, contestation as to how successful that was and whether people actually were willing to. By way of a parallel example, during um, the Cultural Revolution in China in the 1960s, mm-hmm. um, there was a huge moratorium on ma- major, like a kind of nationwide moratorium on a lot of a lot of <laughs> uh, you know, most written work that wasn't directly uh, kind of sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. But of course, if you were someone like Chairman Mao or someone even you know less high up than. And the supreme leader, um, you would have access to foreign films and books and whatever. You could sit in your office and comfortably read all this stuff and mm. read Shakespeare and whatever. Um, but the, but the average Joe, uh, wasn't allowed to have access to the stuff. So, the extent to which um, these texts, back going back to the Qin Shi Huang example, mm-hmm. uh, were ac- actually destroyed is kind of questionable. Uh, probably what is more likely is that, um, Ex, uh, elites and um you know people high up in the food chain were able to make let's say private copies and then publicly burn the books you know allegedly so that yeah. so that they would have there it's a win-win for them because it, on the one hand they would perhaps be uh shown to be a kind of you know a loyalist to the to the Qin emperor but on the other hand they would have access to Mm -hmm. the texts that were exclusive access to the texts that were being destroyed or targeted. Um, But I think for the purposes of um, looking at the film, the theme of history and of remembering um, Mm -hmm. to me strikes, or strikes me as a, as a kind of pretty essential one to make sense of the film as a text. I wanted to ask you a question though. Go for go it, on. absolutely. I um, have questions. Why you could have, if if the interest, generally speaking, was to kind of find an entry point into into China, uh, why this film?
0: I feel no matter what, when watching something a film like this, uh, I remember watching it years and years ago and just been like, oh, it's a good kung fu film, and that yeah. that's what was embedded in my head. But mm. but then the more I um the more and more I thought about it and when I started rewatching it and the idea of it, I was like, I'm missing something.
2: Mm.
0: I'm missing a whole layer of history of understanding. And so choosing this film was like, okay, I could have chosen many films, but this in particular is, it just feels like there's a story that's not being told to my eye. And that's what mm. drawn, drew me towards it.
1: So a kind of, um, maybe like a, in an, it Analo- sounds dumb, but I'm pretty sure it's the word. Anal, analogical reading, so an analogy mm. reading of the film, or uh, like historical references, or
0: it's it's more just a it's because I mean obviously the film is uh, you know it's it's surrounded mm. in mental, or like covered in metaphor and mm. covered in like uh, kind of um, I'm trying to think of a better word. Or the I don't know. If it, I don't know it. if it's a
1: and I did cut you off, but I don't know yeah, if it's a given um, that it's covered in metaphor. I,
0: I think there are a number of kind of tropes and things yeah stories i think
1: the story overall has one like plot length metaphor Mm -hmm. um, which as i kind of kind of hinted at i think relates to um a kind of romantic nostalgia for classical china Mm -hmm. in in a modern context um but then i think there are kind of microcosmic Uh, metaphors as well in the film where we're talking about
0: that like when you when when they fought in the bamboo forest yeah they like had it on the mist of the bridge
1: absolutely so i think um what i've noted and what i really want to um kind of explore and pick up on are some of the tropes in the film which actually have um continuity with tropes in much older forms of creative practice that exist in chinese history so one of them one of the um, traditions which seem kind of stick out to me watching the film is uh, the tr- tradition of Chinese landscape painting, mm-hmm. which in in Chinese is shan shui, which literally means um, uh, mountain water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, kind of landscape is yeah imagine, yeah you know, yeah mountains and water. But uh, you often see um, these kind of huge, dwarf, kind of uh, almost divine, if perhaps more mystical landscapes, they're kind of some, there's some kind of infusion of magic in these mountains. Mm. And, and, and uh, China is, uh, let's say, they have a history of s- uh, mountains as being sacred or because there's a kind of clear cultural association between um, mountains and sacred sites, uh, mm-hmm. not dissimilar to Uluru and in Indigenous Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kind of protrusion in the landscape and there are obvious, there's an obvious so
0: kind of... A, there's a god at play or there's some kind of like, in, in, it's like a powerful being that created this, yeah. you know...
1: It's interesting to think that this, even this basic formal structure, uh, vision of a landscape then interrupted by this kind of vertical, th- like a horizontal landscape and this vertical thrust, mm-hmm. like a basic kind of compositional quality, would produce a similar effect in different parts of the world. Like this yeah. idea that a mountain is a sacred thing because it kind of seems to, in, 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 something seems to inhabit it or it seems to kind of project some kind of power.
0: Isn't that the whole thing with, um, oh shit, I'm trying to think of, uh, um, the, the type of the Aztecs, mm. if I'm mistaken, there's like a few points around the world where they couldn't. There was no chance in the world that they ever communicated, but each of them had a pyramid-like structure in the way that they desired I
1: I I, don't, I like to participate in conspiracy theories more than I like to. That's not true. I like <laughs> okay. to participate them in them to the extent to which it's they may be dismantled. But um. Yeah. yeah okay. It, it, You don't have to be an engineer to think that the best way to build an upward structure is to start with a broader basin to get to a... No, but
0: my point being is not necessarily that it's the strongest structure. If if it was upside
1: down pyramids that were everywhere in the world, I would be agreeing with you. That would be (laughs) an exceptional engineering
0: reason that you would think why... You can't explain it any other way. I'm more thinking in the sense of like... um, these structures being a more like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a word other than religious, but like kind of a religious, like, like yeah. almost like they're simulating a mountain saying this is a mountain. And, and I well, feel like there's this like, I feel like there's this attachment towards, mm. you know, uh, godliness and yep. a, a higher power and mountains. Yeah. And like you, they could have built a thousand houses. I mean, look at the way churches were built. They weren't built yep. in pyramids. They were built like buildings with things on them that went up high. Yeah. But but pyramids are, are a particular structure, that, which makes me think of mountains. Totally.
1: Well, there's a, no, I think there's a cl- that No, I totally agree with you on that point. I think there's a very clear, formal, like a very simple, formal visual device that, that we... When something thrusts up vertically that points itself to the heavens, I mean, this idea that, you know, like in Chinese, Tian is heaven, but it also is the word for sky, right? Mm, and so this right. correlation between a kind of the house of divine government and the sky, I mean, this is the same in, you know, the, I mean, in animist religions, like Animist, animist is a kind of, um, let's say, category of religions which see kind of um, instead of instead of divinity being kind of from on high being imparted down, it actually resides in nature it's mm-hmm. not it, it, nature is the let's say the kind of um, is the
0: God or is the exactly is and spiritual.
1: and and in China Taoism and to perhaps a lesser extent Buddhism and in mm-hmm. Japan Shinto mm-hmm. uh, are animist um religions or animist ideas which see kind of nature as God okay. if you want to think mm-hmm. about it that way right. well, that there's no God monolithic God per se it's more. This nature is, in well, in Taoism, it's the Tao. Mm-hmm. Nature is the kind of manifestation of these natural ordering principles which generate all life. And so to kind of let nature wash over you is to kind of, let's say, capitulate to the Tao. To, instead of trying to resist it and name stuff and put tags on everything and distinguish everything, that's intruding upon the natural order. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this, I mean, in the film, these beautiful, and going back to the um, Shan Shui... Um, uh links at least the ones that i see uh these beautiful kind of um, shots of mountainscapes and i think i'm guessing in guilin or some other um kind of mountainous terrain in which kind of there is this harmonious you know balance between the rock craggy rock faces and these beautiful lush uh greenery and then the Mm. mists which kind of you know inhabit the crevices of the mountains i mean it's just absolutely breathtaking in itself Mm -hmm. but in chinese culture these those glimpses of landscapes like that were actually um kind of you know glimpses into divinity Um, Mm -hmm. and so this correlation between the kind of landscapes that are selected for the film and what seems to be a kind of what is very clearly a kind of metaphysical power which is in in inhabiting um, many of the protagonists whose martial prowess is Mm-hmm. you know, clearly enhanced in some way beyond the regular, you know, mm-hmm. brute who wants to go and club someone, you know, take their money, whatever bandits. To me, that suggests this kind of connection between the film, the way that the film is imaged, and a much older Chinese tradition of landscape painting, which sees nature as a kind of primogenitor or like kind of the first the, the kind of first order of all things, the the origin of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the people who have some kind of metaphysical power in the film, seem to be at one with nature. And we mm-hmm. saw that
0: in the scene where um, Choyon Fat's character is he's on the bamboo stick. And so he's kind of balanced with it, and exactly. no matter what, just he's and he's almost smirking. I'm not sure if yeah, he is yeah. when Well, the whole idea you're saying about ego is kind of yeah, it would be the opposite. He shouldn't be smirking. And,
1: and this that's interest it. this fascinating connection that you see in the Shan Shui painting is that it's always about the landscapes. There are almost always that's not true. There are there are often people pictured in the landscapes, but they are like ants. And this idea yeah. of the the whole category of that painting style as being a kind of exercise in humility mm-hmm. as much as it is an exercise in kind of um, kind of participation in, in celebration of, let's say, the, the animist or the divine agency of nature. And this is interesting because a lot of the landscapes that you see in Shanshui traditions are actually invented landscapes. So they're not recordings of nature. No. They are internalized, interpretative, um, let's say kind of recreations of the forces of nature, such that the artist in this case shows a kind of prowess of their own by seeming to grasp the principles through which nature is generated.
0: Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So in
1: many ways that is also the Tao because Tao is the thing which generates all. So if you master the Tao, you can generate beautiful landscapes from your imagination because you've internalised this, right? Yeah. Anyway, I I see in this film um, this connection between a kind of – wisdom and kind of grasp of metaphysical truth and the um martial prowess of the protagonists who so clearly are at one with natural landscapes and that's mm. exemplified best by the um, yeah,
0: it, bamboo scene exactly and and
1: the opposite which is something something i'll before
0: do you think the character i mean I, I, mm. i'm horrible because i can't remember her name but the mm. the the other, you know, amazing martial artist that existed, in Michelle
1: Yeoh's character, which uh, or the the dragon in this case, Xiao no, not, not, the, not the
0: dragon, but the other, um, the, the one that like, she, she's the one that fought all with all the different weapons mm. and stuff like that.
1: Michelle Yeoh is the actress, I can't yeah, remember, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, what to be honest, name. I don't remember
0: what any <laughs> of the yeah. characters' names up, yeah. that wasn't what was important to me, yeah, sure. Um, but with her, yeah. I mean, where does she sit in this? Because she, mm. she's obviously a master in herself, mm. and she has a great skill. But mm. she, she never really felt like she was at one. Yeah, in any part that's of the that's a film. really good point. And I'm not sure if that's because, because I mean, he went off and had her a love, lightning experience, and stuff like that. But do you think that that's
1: that her, From my my sense of this? And this is, I want to, I want to, because this is actually a, that's a fascinating question. I think it's a really on point question. I want to, by way of addressing it kind of take a step back and relate the film to its genre. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So it is a Kung Fu film, of course, yeah, but it's course. it's best um, what we would more accurately um, say it is, is a wuxia film. What does that mean? So wuxia is a Chinese term, which um, kind of means martial hero, which is a kind of clumsy term, but um, wuxia precedes film yeah, in, right. in in novels and written mm-hmm, fiction. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and in fact... Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the notes here because uh, off the top of my head, I cannot remember who the original um, author of the book was, uh, but Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was originally published as uh, the fourth of a series of five novels.
0: By Do you know how big the novels were? I mean, to give me perspective on, because when I when I when I watch the film, I go, I mean, this is a, mm. this is this this could be summarised like a you know a fifty page poem. Mm.
1: It's um, I mean, uh, look honestly, I don't have a specific. Uh, actually, no, the English, the, there's, I'm not sure if there's been an official English translation, but funnily enough, Michelle Yeoh's website has, um, as I understand, links to English translations. I don't know whether they're mm. official translations or whether they were kind of worked out as a result of the film being so popular. Um, but uh, so the uh, pen name of the author, the original author, uh, is Wang Du Lu. And he was a, um, a Manch- we talked about this, he was actually an um, ethnic Manchu which means mm. he was of the same ethnicity as the Qing dynasty. Yeah, so yeah. the dynasty that he lived in many hundreds of years later after his film was – sorry, his novel was set, novels were set, which mm. is um, I think in the 1700s, uh, common
0: which Common time. Uh, what, what did you call it again? The, which one? The the, the timing. It's like instead of saying when Jesus Christ was born, like before Christ. Oh, common
1: era, yes. Common well, era. Yeah, yeah. So 1700s. Yeah. So, so in other words, yeah, yeah. Um, you know – uh, 17 so-and-so, uh, kind of let's say the first century or thereabouts of the Qing mm-hmm. dynasty. But he wrote those between the five books, which Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the name of the fourth, as I understand, um, between 1938 and 1942. So he wrote
0: five books.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the That was a pretty intense time to be living in China.
0: Was that because the you were saying before that he was five when it kind of, around, around yeah. the age of five when things kind of like changed? So the
1: Qing dynasty that we see in the throes of, you know, you know, I guess, or some uh, part of it, some, some quarter of the kingdom, you know, experiencing the drama that we see in the film, mm. um, is the same dynasty that he, the author, um, Wang, Saw collapse in his childhood. Yeah, wow. Um, so I guess my interest in this kind of someone who studies Chinese history is to think, how does the film now? This is one step removed because of course he uh, Wang did not make the film. He wrote the book upon which Ang Lee then based his film. Yeah, yeah. But of course the spirit must somehow still be here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of carried over. And I and actually as a separate point, but complementary point, I think Ang Lee's connection to mainland China and His complex relationship to Chinese dynasty, uh, sorry, uh, Chinese empire, given that he's Taiwanese, meaning that he is, you know, attached to what current mainland China, the People's Republic of China, would deem to be a kind of, you know, or have in more flowery language in the past, like, you know, traitorous and whatever, because it was where the Qing dynasty, uh, sorry, where the um, Republic, which overthrew the Qing dynasty, fled to after losing the civil war to the communists. So the fact that... um, So
0: complicated, like it's so amazingly complicated. It is
1: a bit. Of course, the significance to us here is that both Ang Lee, the director of the film, and Wang Du Lu, the author of the original novel would have experienced a very complex relationship to both state mm-hmm. uh, and to China as a kind of, let's say, ideal, uh, kind of cultural identity or mm-hmm. Chinese-ness as a kind of cultural experience. So in terms of the, the initial five kind of books, 1938 to 1942, we are looking at, uh, uh, the, although I don't have the, I mean, I'll double check, but we're talking about the Sino-Japanese war so the you know we've got incursions uh this is when the author wrote the books Mm -hmm. um when there was a very clear sense that chinese empire had been living a lie Uh,
0: this is what do you mean by living a lie
1: in in um there's an interesting i'll answer this by way of an interesting letter hoping that I've addressed the the curtailing I've, I've actually brought back the previous point and I know we trained, we kind of dabbled back into history
0: it's so easy to, <laughs> <laughs> to anyway to, yeah. but to answer this question yeah, as, go, go. As,
1: as succinctly as I can in this, there was a wonderful letter that, I mean quite a revealing letter that was sent to emperor I think the emperor at the time was Long, so emperor um, of uh, so emperor of China at the time I think it was King Richard th- I probably got it totally wrong but let's say it's King Richard the Third. Um, who wrote the letter. Again, okay, I can double check. We'll double check. Them. Google the mm-hmm. specifics. We're talking here late 1700s or early 1800s, so that period, where we have a king of England mm-hmm. sending a missive to the emperor of China. A missive? Imperial. I mean, it's so like a, let's old say old. A, just a fancy letter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe just a fancy word for letter is more than um, one. And, you know, some the diplomat to go. and but um, the letter wrote read something to the effect of um, you know dear emperor of China I'm also a very powerful monarch of my country <laughs> I um, like this version of your letter let's let's get in, down to it and do business mm-hmm. and whatever you know out of the deal whatever Trump you know and so I hope that given that we're both kings we can
0: do some trade let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm is this where um, OPM comes in? It does. In okay, a moment, yeah, it does. I figured.
1: And the response was after a while, um, again, paraphrasing somewhat. Yeah, yes. Yeah, um how dare you speak to me <laughs> um, awesome. it's like you like you have you some kind of backwater pretend king in awesome. some tiny island on the other side of the
2: world yeah,
1: yeah. um this don't you know that this is we i am the emperor of the scent the kingdom at the center of the world at the yeah, central kingdom yeah, which is yeah. the translation of uh china so china is chinese word for china is Zhongguo, yeah. which means central kingdom mm-hmm. so i like i'm at the center of the world um and also by the way what the fuck trade like yeah, yeah that stuff happens at markets i'm an emperor i don't do trade i like do emperor shit like i'm not interested and so of course awesome. the irony of this is that you know, trade would become china's biggest thing well,
0: right we try biggest thing but also just the thing that fuels the world now like mm. tr- it's trade deals which you know yeah well that's why china has the the stranglehold of the world so everything's made there.
1: That's right. So in terms of, absolutely in terms of production. So in, in um, fast forward, people were looking for, uh, and then the British were like, well, that's not going to cut it because, um, we're too busy growing opium in India, uh, kicking Indians off their land because, uh, the best way to make money, um, from the land that we've seized from starving Indians, because it could yeah. pay the taxes to the crown because we invaded India. Uh, now that's the jewel in the British crown. Mm. um, but now we have all this land. So what, what are we going to do with it? Well, we're not going to make grow rice and vegetables to feed Indians. So no, hell no. Why would you do that? Make any money? Food? Make any money doing that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we need to grow drugs. Yeah, of uh, course. quite seriously, tobacco and opium were the main um, crop that was grown by the uh, kind of Brits in and mm-hmm. on Indian soil. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about millions of people starving to death as a result yeah, yeah. of this repurposing of, of the soil. But point being, for for our story convoluted as it is um massive stockpiles of opium and tobacco for for england Hell yeah so much so is this that is why was the characters no float in the
0: movie what's that is this why the characters float in the movie
1: that's exactly right it's yeah. all chasing opium. chasing the dragon yeah, yeah.
0: sorry okay. no um this is horrible
1: all of this yeah. all of this uh opium you don't have a market big and en- you literally do not have a market big enough to sell to i mean you know you can only have so much opium before you're dead right? so <laughs> so yeah, in, yeah, other words, in other words you yeah yeah the user the kind of, that's, yeah so so but of course if you break into the chinese market which is what everybody wanted to do mm. and the brits in particular um well now you've got you know hundreds of millions of people to sell opium to and that's a lot of money mm. um of course they come into it they, they knock on china door and say hey you know we we're here with the opium and you know if you don't buy it for us from us then the indians are going to starve because you're not buying it from us oh my god uh but 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 c- again kind of cutting to the point here um mm. Mm. The the intrusion of uh, opium as a kind of <laughs> literally the gateway drug drug to trade mm-hmm. for all things um, resulted in an extraordinarily embarrassing series of um, not only military defeats from west from initially Brit- British mm-hmm. but then like the blood in the water the sharks kind of smelled China bleeding and all of a sudden the Germans the French. Uh, eventually, the Americans all come, uh, obviously the Portuguese as well with the Portuguese colony, um, come you know sniffing around to t- try to take a bite out of China. Um, and there is this huge contradiction between this version of china's empire mm-hmm. uh, that the Qing dynasty had this this aloof arrogance um, that kind of was so confident as the, you know, the, the, at the center of the world as the central kingdom that it was untouchable it was this sprawling empire who would possibly stand against china i mean of course besides from the Mongolians and the manchurians and you know various other uh, you know
0: crazy people
1: people who did i mean yeah yeah the yuan Yuan dynasty the genghis khan i mean Mm. the khan the khanate came in you know, took over for and hell, hundreds, even, even hundreds
0: Japan, of years. Didn't Japan like take over like a, a good third of China for a while?
1: Uh, that, would, that's part, that That's part that's that's a 20th century thing as well. So that, that has not happened yet in the story that oh, I was yeah, telling of you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Japan would be a major one. In fact, um, again, this is huge historical digression, which is not really commenting on the film at all. No, it's not no. digression, but let's say it's the most elaborate kind of scene set, historical contextualization that you can hope for. Mm, I'm um, loving it. <laughs> um, in the tr- 1916... Um, Treaty of Versailles. So foreign powers get together, um, and they are basically there's a bunch of white guys with pens on maps and just saying this is how the world looks now. Um, but of course, it was the um, the the, the uh, League of Nations. It was the good guys. Mm. Um, for oh, the yeah. of course, my my finger quotation marks yeah, don't work well when it no. comes. to I, <laughs> I guys. hope everyone gets your sarcasm. So um, China had uh, offered in world war one uh, f- uh, something in the effect of a hundred thousand if not more china chinamen Ch- chinese guys to yeah, yeah. to participate in the war um to what ex- to what extent and in what capacity i'm not entirely sure you know, of course the ex- this information exists so i just don't have it um i imagine there would be some fighting but a lot of support work i mm-hmm. imagine behind the scenes uh point being that the kind of promise was that if, for, if this is after all the humiliation of the kind of um you know imperial dissection of china uh British saying you've at one point um, kind of uh, China's p- police uh, destroyed a bunch of opium that the British were bringing in. Uh, the British Navy just bombs the shit out of, um, you know, South, South Chinese towns and whatever um, until they agreed to the terms of um, kind of a ceasefire, which was basically pay us for the opium plus damages and we'll have Hong Kong, thanks very much. Oh um, which of course that's how hong kong becomes a british uh, yeah protectorate yeah. or whatever
0: um this is becoming a history lesson
1: it is unfortunately so I no, no, not unfortunately um,
0: this is this is but, amazing how it the,
1: the reason why I'm, i suppose part of the reason why i'm saying all this before i kind of go back to that point of um that i was saying kind of just just before i confirmed the opium thing mm. is um is chinese embarrassment Uh, this kind of massive loss of face that uh, China experienced when it realized that it was not able to stand up with the rest of the industrialized world because China had failed to industrialize. China didn't want to industrialize um, because China didn't need to. Why should it? It is so um, kind of so supreme characteristically. um, it, it, It... didn't need to. It, what it needed to do was to emulate the past the best it could, because um, it was a classicist. Um, is culture that a flaw
0: in its own. Well, if yeah, if you if you're you, going back. If you like
1: to win wars, it is. If you like yeah, to yeah. make money, it is. If you like to uh, get do any crop yields, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm hardly a modernist per se in the sense of we should just put the pedal to development and progress, but which is what China's doing now. Mm. Um, but certainly there was this this aloof. Uh, ignorance um this aloof vanity and, and self assuredness that um was crushed in the early nineteen hundreds and the late eighteen hundreds um when the kind of you know international forces just came in and just just cleaned up in china and 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 there was just no kind of um experience or organizational power or um kind of um, kind of top down authority that was able to manage this and defend China from these unprecedented kind of industrial th- foes. Um, to us, to a, let's say, to kind of try to win favor with these sharks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, China sent men to war for the, you know, against Germany,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, against the Axis of Evil. Um, uh, in 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 thanks, uh, the Treaty of Versailles said uh, not. What it was supposed to say, which was that Shandong province, which is the birthplace of Confucius, um, which had been occupied by Germans earlier during everyone taking a bite out of China, um, was to be given back to China. Uh, Tsingdao, the beer, mm-hmm. it's German brewery oh, from Shandong. really? So that, the, the, it's a colonial beer, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. So Tsingdao, the city, Holy was shares. part of Shandong province, which is where Confucius was born. Uh, It was a German brewery that was built there as a result of the occupation of and annexation of. I have um, that
0: beer in my fridge, actually.
1: Right. So, not anymore, obviously. Germans, right. In fact, what happened was um, that the Allies did not give Shandong province or the portion of it that was occupied by Germany um, back to China, but instead gave it to Japan. Oh, and, ouch. and that was in that's 1916, big I think. Deal. I mean, yeah, that's a well, any, giving it to anybody would have been a big deal. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, like, China. You, the, what 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 um, Russia and and took from Poland in a similar kind of capacity. It's like, it's oh, like, the war's over. Oh, by the way, Russia, here you go, mm. take some of this Poland and install communism. And that's it's it. like, and it's it's a fucked up thing to do to a culture, and, and let alone this is this is like, I literally watched a video on Japan's. Mm like, aggressive Mm. um, expansion Mm. and, like, and subsequent fail. Mm. Um, But that whole, like, hey, here, Mm. Japan, the enemy, take a bit of China. They're pretty much giving... China taking China, uh, sorry, taking giving taking Germany away mm. from China and mm. then giving it back to Germany. Yeah, because that's what Japan was to like. Oh my God, that, I didn't even know that. So you can imagine uh. how
1: bitter the Chinese are feeling towards yeah. allies at this point. Holy shit. The so-called good guys of history, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the free, you know, and, you know, allies of the free world. Fuck. And so, okay. and so um, this is so this is you know the early 1900s. Oh, sorry, oh. this is 1916. Um, there were massive protests against. The terms, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and that was in and the 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 author of the initial book of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the series would have experienced that. In fact, he lived through the what was called the um, May Fourth Movement because it was on May Fourth that the terms.
0: Maybe. The fourth of the fourth. Just, oh, May sorry, Fourth Star
1: Wars. No, I'm totally unrelated to that. I know, given I know, it <laughs> but it just makes me think of it. <laughs> totally, yeah, May Fourth, of course. Okay, um, all right. So the May Fourth Movement, as it came to be known, was a kind of cultural renaissance in China. Yeah. where we're no longer connected to the yoke of empire because empire has been overthrown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are a very tentative and cautious new republic. Demo- mm. uh, republic not, I mean, democratic to an extent, but not really. Um, where it's um, you know, po- it's politicians now kind of calling the shots instead of you know the royal family and the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but point being that um, Wang Dulu would have lived through that and the fact that he was writing into, as a Manchurian himself, Qing dynasty, Manchurian dynasty, mm-hmm. um, although I haven't grown up poor, he, what I see in the films um, like this, and this one par excellence, like as an extraordinary film, um, and I haven't read the novel, but I'm making kind of some shorthand connections between the novel and the film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is... There would be much to explore. I have not explored. Mm-hmm. Um, is this kind of fantasization and romance of China as the kind of j- strong, kind of um, you know imperial um, kind of power that it always thought it was, or during the Qing Dynasty it thought it was, until it was encountered by you know industrial the industrial world? Because there is no there's no glimpse of industrialization. No, in not at film. all. Um, even though, you, you know, we're talking about like, if, if, the film set in the 1700s, I mean, there would have been. Can I make, make a question here? Mm.
0: You know, that moment in the film where, um, where they're, we're in that, uh, I guess it's a restaurant. Or maybe it's a bar, and she gets attacked, and she, mm. and she and this mm. is the dragon, and she realizes mm. the wrist is hurt, and she pulls the, yeah. the sleeves off, and his arms are like covered in metal, and it's yeah. like, oh, you're not. Is that is that in any way related to that whole uh, rejection to industrialization?
1: Look, that that's a really good point because
0: this is obviously speculation.
1: No, 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 and it is, and it's a really good speculation because of course there is a you know you might associate metal. All of the swords are formed of forged of metal, and metal is not exclusive. Of course, to industrial. No, but world. it's not
0: the metal. It's the it's the cheapening of it. It's like yeah, hiding yeah. It underneath uh, your armor. No, I totally... Sort of conditioning your skin, It's a rich, what she was referring to.
1: It's a rich... Um, yeah, or your or your strength comes from your chi mm. instead of metal plates that you're wearing. Yeah, that's right. So um, the wuxia genre that exists in in, in before films were a thing, but which uh, reached zenith in the 1920s, about 1940s, mm-hmm. um, the time more or less in which uh, Wang Dulu was writing. Um, and when the first wuxia importantly as well for the connection to film, when the first wuxia films were being made, so the first, what we would call kung fu films, Mm -hmm. which are kind of a slightly cheaper version of what they really, I mean, it was very much a romance genre, sure, but there was also this idea of um, martial prowess, how in the West we think of knights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the kind of knights aren't these upstanding folk japanese who, with the samurai yeah, is it, yeah, it, yeah i think it's very much in this vein to, to the, the best translation is to think of these kind of figures who are not just kind of men who have and they're almost pr- primarily men um who have cultivated their martial fighting skills it's that mm-hmm. they have a parallel v- virtue to match their fighting skill, mm-hmm, yeah. um, so in, so of course you have things like you know honor and um, in in Japan with the the samurai, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, the bushido, wave the blade, that kind of yeah, thing, yeah. and in you know the medieval kind of romance, you've got this idea of um, uh, chivalry, uh, matching kind of martial prowess, and in China there's the same kind of thing. There is this there is this kind of um, I suppose it's kind of a, it's a, it's a kind of naturalness isn't it it's this idea that you're not this kind of um, you don't resort to things like poison
0: mm, yeah uh, which is obviously well, the exactly yeah, in, in yeah. the film that antagonist Of course everyone's seen this movie I'm I'm just, I know this is really late in the game but like spoilers we don't give a shit. This is like no, no, just there's talk also, about there's no, no spoilers here. Um, no, no, there is spoilers here, and I don't care. That's the point. No, I think, and that's and, and you make a whole thing about the like the poison. It's like it's that, the well, villainy. We can
1: we could connect the poison to um the the metal braces on the arm mm-hmm. hiding under the sleeves of that um that brute, yeah. um, because it's a form of subterfuge. It's a form of subterfuge. A secret kind of. It's a kind of um, a sneaky victory, Tre- treachery. Except it's not. Tr- yeah it's 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 treacherous in the sense that it's kind of um not being it's a dishonest kind of combat let's say mm, yeah, or a yeah. dishonest form of victory so um poison and the metal braces on the arm of the brute that we see fighting um in that in that scene when she actually gets a little bit hurt not much but yeah, yeah. because because of, and she's going kind to of look at him like scowling, like yeah, yeah. petty, pathetic kind of thing, um, where she's the real deal. And so what is the real deal in the wuxia genre? It's someone who has a genuine, has genuinely cultivated their, what's called qi, uh, or who are kind of exemplars of, in Chinese, it's qigong, uh, the cult, who have cultivated, it's really energy cultivation, um, who have cultivated their qi to kind of, such a point where they are almost impervious to bodily harm because mm. their, their internal chi. Yes, exactly right. So their internal chi is kind of um, a kind of giving them godlike power, mm-hmm. and we see all of the main characters in the film, including the bad guys, some of the bad guys, mm-hmm. um, able to harness some of this. Of course, the one who harnesses it best, at least in the film, is um, uh, Chow Yun Fat's character, who mm. we saw, you know. Happily, kind of, you know, standing toe tip on the edge of a bamboo tree, mm. um, you know, smiling, and, and
0: almost s- like disapproving of enlightenment that he experienced. Mm. He's like, I, I went, I went to meditate, I went to get enlightenment, and that, I, I I'm like,
1: that's a. Separ- I think that's 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 the kind point. of twist. I think. Well, it's the twist in the film, which is kind of the idea the, the romance that I would sacrifice that kind of power for love, mm-hmm. which is obviously that final speech that Chow Yun um, has with Michelle Yeoh. Mm. um when he's saying that you know i i did it like it's not that i was searching for enlightenment he's like no i did it i got it Uh, that's i'm super that's great i've I've cultivated you know maximum prowess martial prowess you know i'm the best guy (laughs) um basically yeah but but um i would throw that away i realized i wasted my life doing that when I should have been with you. I mean it's super It's very yeah, yeah, Romeo and yeah, Juliet. It's stunning. Like it's really bittersweet kind of stuff. It is. It's really. It's really um beautiful. what I was gonna um, say is that I was kind of and we were talking about this before, mm-hmm. is um is the um the there's actually a subgenre of I think in film we call Wuxian um oh, sorry, Wuxia uh, Kung Fu films that have this kind of meta uh, this kind of supernatural power, wuxia pian, so films that, Kung Fu films that actually kind of use qigong or energy cultivation as a kind of device. Mm -hmm. There is no shortage of them. But of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon belongs in that category. I did find, um, really interestingly, this was just from um, the uh, wiki page that was relating to, probably probably lost the actual uh, thing, but the the um, kind of three main categories of this kind of energy manipulation which these are not not necessarily go into it um but that you can kind of bank upon these films either including um a form of energy cultivation which has which is internalized Mm -hmm. a form of energy cultivation which is dealing with um lightness so dancing on treetops and whatever Mm -hmm. weightlessness and the form of energy cultivation which can allow one to disrupt other people's energy cultivation so when we when we do the touch of death kind of thing yeah yeah the thing the pressure points and and all those blows. three all of those three tropes which we know very well in like you know the whatever the equivalent of spaghetti westerns are you know mm-hmm. in terms of kung fu genre um we know we've seen them time and time again and we see them in this film i think That's,
0: we see all three can i just say that like I, uh, i'm thinking back on the film have you ever seen Hero? Jet Li. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and, uh, yes. I mean, like, I, I can't remember if it's a brilliant film, mm. but I just remember n- speaking on all this. Yeah. And it makes me think of that film completely differently. Totally. There's that, like, if you if you do remember, the, the basically the end of the film is, like, Jet Li's, like, standing against this wall and he has this, like, like we're talking millions of arrows flying at him and that's, that's the demise of yes. Jet Li's character. And he's this kind of god and yeah. in, in this realm yeah and it he, makes me feel he like he fights
1: against the british at one point does he in that film i could not remember he's in he's like cage fighting with these big british guys no, i don't
0: think so i think it's i don't know if that it's uh, but in the in you, the Qing you, dynasty it's setting. i feel like that's
1: exactly right and yeah. um and i it just Donny me... yen in um yip man films have you seen yip man no same thing it's but 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 it's it's this idea and this is
0: well, no, but just just to Sorry, cl- go, yeah. no, 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 just to clarify, the the thing that makes me really intrigued by that film now is that it's the taking down of this godly mm. figure that we're talking about. We're talking about those people that, that can that have this like
1: That's set during one- the Jin Dynasty, so the first dynasty that we were talking about before.
0: Oh, hero, yeah um this one like kind of like enlightenment uh in tune with the energy you know like and it's almost seems like the the not the higher power but the 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 power of the numbers and the masses taking down this the force it's like a video game
1: right isn't mm. it we were talking about
0: that before like yeah the boss fight kind of thing
1: exactly so you Mm. you, but you also as the protagonist in the video game you kill how many baddies that are just Mm. standing at the side of the door waiting to die um (laughs) Because it's almost like that. What can they do? Yeah, yeah either, right. they need, either they either need a thousand of them to the kill a general mm-hmm. slash. You know because again, we're talking about you know this relationship between martial prowess and virtue. Um, you know the idea that if you have a higher rank in in some military, so you're know, You are therefore better at mm. fighting. Of course, you know, not not at all true. But Bullshit. But that. But hero is interesting. I'm just looking at it now. Zhang Yi Mo is one of like China's preeminent filmmakers. He directed the film. Um, so a lot of money <laughs> as you can imagine um i can't i'm it's definitely not the one i was thinking of um when I, but i think it is there's another film where jet lee plays a character who's fighting against
0: white guys so it must be i mean come on like look at a lot of jack and chan films look mm. at a lot of like westernized asian films oh he fights
1: the emperor doesn't he in that in hero he, i think he might and that yeah. but that's kind of to the point here with the idea the emperor would be like one of the best fighters yeah, right. It's Like he's some old fucking like flesh bag. Just,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, Too yeah. much sex
1: and wine. Like he's not. He's useless. But of course, in this mythology, you know your your well, status, power, your social sta- status yeah, is, yeah. is 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 paralleled to your martial prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're you could not possibly hold that office without kind of you know having the proof of your cultivated self, your bodily cultivation. Um, being your like being evidence of your station mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, of um, so it has to like it's necessarily false. And if you were occupying a station but without the martial prowess, it's probably because you lied because mm. you're a faker. Yeah. So so this kind of that's that's the one condition. That's the one way of being honest is that you you are honest with your body. And I suppose that relates to both the the antagonism of poison and the metal bands here. Mm. That it's a kind of cheating. Yeah, because it's not your body; it's artifice. It's lying. It's lying. Saying. Yeah,
0: and the honor is is lost. And she that. does say that line in the film, and going back to Crouching Tiger, mm. she's like, "Just be yourself." And you know what's interesting? Yeah. Find out. I don't know if the, you you can shape anything out of this that I'm mm. not seeing. Is that she tells this young dragon, mm. or the little dragon?
1: Yeah, the xiao, xiao Long is her is the Chinese name, but that would translate to little dragon. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and she says, "You know, take the sword." train in this art just be yourself mm. and then she goes she goes and meets her love she denies him the, you know going to the desert mm. and then she jumps off and yeah. we don't know obviously this isn't suicide because it's yeah. about the story about you know that she disappears. but she essentially whether she dies or not mm. she disappears mm, mm. she's gone from the world uh, and and her wish comes true, mm. whatever that is, mm. Mm. which is I imagine you know mm. you can go back to the desert and mm. and stuff like that. So it, mm. it, that that whole idea intrigues me totally. now more because it's just like
1: the mist is. Um, and this is a kind of point we talked about, but just to kind of make it um, make, it, no, clear. make yeah, it clear, yeah, clear is that um, mist as a trope it has. Um, the the relationship between energy cultivation which we 've talked about in terms of contributing to martial prowess mm-hmm. uh, and it was is is the i mean uh, gong gongfu fu yeah, is chi qi, the Qigong like this idea of it 's not kung, kung fu it 's gong fu the same word that we see in gong, kind of it 's relating to kind of the, this kind of energy cultivation chi being energy in this case. Mm-hmm. um so like your um kind of let's say your martial skill kung fu um uh, in terms of mist then which in daoist thinking is the kind of primordial energy of the world so this kind of the world begins with this ethereal vapor or mist which kind of coalesces or kind of forms into everything that we know Mm -hmm. so in other words the original state of all things is mist So if you think about it that way, Mm -hmm. mist is this kind of primordial energy, isn't it? It's kind of this kind of vaporous preformed stuff, which is kind of um, the raw kind of material of everything.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. So this
1: idea of kind of her final scene of returning to the mist or being consumed by the mist is almost like it could either be read as She's perf- she's perfecting herself in terms of her martial prowess. Well, that's what I was just about, or to say. she's returning to she's 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 becoming formless. So for me, which the- is by the way, mm. formless, returning to mist, formless is literally a Taoist idea to become formless to kind of um, lose distinction. To well, lose that's ego. kind
0: of what the I mean. I, I forget the, car- the guy's name. Mm. Chow, Chow Young Fat, yeah, 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 his character there, the
1: mentor of the film. Yeah,
0: I mean that's kind of where he gets to. Like he's removed from all objects and until
1: the everything. interesting until the very last moment of his life, in mm. which he 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 says um, that. He kind of he returns a little bit, doesn't he, to to the to the world to the world of desire and even fallibility. She's telling him to escape. Yeah, and so so this kind of yeah, she's she's like herself from this world, you know. And, and we did turn kind of pick up on this thread a little bit earlier, but this idea that kind of Michelle Yeoh's character has not really exhibited an equal prowess, even though she's obviously you know,
2: incredibly incredible. talented. Uh, she's yeah, clearly
1: yeah. not matching Chow Yun Fat, and and part of the explanation seems to be it's consistent to say that. Her, her, she has a harder time managing suppressing her love than he has had, mm-hmm. and in fact, maybe he almost totally suppressed it, except for the this dormant thing which we see coming back again at the end of the film when he confesses that he would have preferred basically to have lived with her mm. instead of achieving enlightenment. Which and is it, and very
0: sweet. Look at the clear differences between those two characters. You have one that's, I guess purely kind of i don't want a purely but a very instinctual take away all the elements of the world mm. and and that's how he lives and then you have her who's uh who's considerate of the political structures of everything who's understanding that everything kind of has its place in the world mm. Mm. and how like everything has an effect mm. and there's that like there's that kind of cross there where he's removed himself from all mm. things of the world. He's She's with, very he's withdrawn. connected.
1: And it, you, mm. you know, what's amazing. You've intuited a very clear, um, part a very, a very, kind of, um, distinct part of, um, the relationship between kind of competing ideas about the world in, um, or at least let's say world views, um, that are both in Imperial China and maybe to some, to some extent still, are in place today. Um, the Taoist um, hermit who withdraws from society mm-hmm. and, and, and much like a hermitage in the Western sense um, does not participate in kind of the bureaucratic um, administrative state, it withdraws to nature, in fact, which mm-hmm. makes sense given what we've been talking about, um, to be at one with those kind of primordial ethereal energies, uh, to to learn from them instead of learning from the, the frivolity of mankind, mm-hmm. which is all artifice and lies and... Fakeness or whatever. Um, but in terms of the bureaucratic tradition of China, you've got Confucianism, which is basically okay. a philosophy of the state. You want to put it that? No, not, not, not the state's philosophy, but literally a philosophy which talks about how to run a country. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how to be the most virtuous, um, obviously, hugely paraphrasing, but you know, yeah, to, to, how, to how to cultivate oneself in such a way that you operate within a kind of uh, maximize your ability to operate within a social order. Mm-hmm. and don't, don't worry so much about the other stuff don't worry about metaphysics and whatever Taoism is the opposite it's like we're all about the metaphysics we're all about the kind of unseen mm-hmm. Confucianism is let's get the show on the road kind of like look, how do we you know, perfect society yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead of perfect ourselves mm-hmm. in terms of nature so it's a very much more pragmatic philosophy in that respect um, but so that, that's
0: the two battles. I, I, I,
1: that are would, I would, I would, that said, I would not say that Michelle Yeoh and Chow Yun-fat represent the polar opposites in that respect. Because uh, Michelle Yeoh is clearly someone who has taken up kind of martial study as her mm-hmm. vocation, which is much closer to a kind of hermetic lifestyle than participation in state. Um, but let's say um, uh, uh, Zhang Ziyi's character, uh, Xiao Long, the dragon in *The titular, mm-hmm. the titular Dragon*. Um, is someone who was born into um, kind of the the, the, the empire. Mm-hmm. The politics. Born into that poli- the political world, and she obviously escapes it. She, she wants to run away. And, of mm-hmm. course, um, her kind of, let's say, the, the, her white rabbit, to use an Alice in Wonderland analogy, is the, the barbarian, mm-hmm. um, the the um, tiger, mm-hmm. who something or other, I can't remember his name, but that's the titular t- tiger in the film, Um pausing this line to just do one kind of digression which might make sense of things. There is actually a fifth novel in which both those two characters have a child. So in in the film, of course, we are left with that, um, you know, uh, this this uncertainty of whether Zhang Zi has actually achieved some kind of immortality or whether it's suicide and that has its own fascinating, beautiful, bittersweet kind of uh, Mm. allusions to... um, Almost preferable to interpret the film that way, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then again, how do you account for the supernatural stuff, right? In other words, people are flying around anyway. Yeah, the idea that yeah. this is not as ridiculous anyway. But um, but in the film, yeah, as I understand, sorry, in the fifth book, as I understand, Iron. I just looked it up. I don't. I didn't read it or anything. Um, Iron something. Iron child or Iron something. The, the name of the child of uh, the Tiger and the Dragon. Um, has kind of his own, you know, uh, role to play in the story. So um, obviously in the original stories, mm-hmm. the, that leap, if if it is, again, I haven't read them, if it is in the fourth book or if it's not just a contr- uh, an edition made by Ang Lee, um, it's not her death because her story continues. in the. First mm, yeah, yeah, of course. But that doesn't mean anything in terms of whether we interpret the film that way. It mm-hmm. just means if, if only made for five films, okay, well then of course we know it's not going to be her death, but we're allowed to interpret it um, with finality if we want to, because there is no proper sequel in this respect.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. It reminds me of like going back to her jumping off that ledge and falling into the mist mm. and the way that you might interpret those, mm. mo- that moment. Cause like, Obviously, there's one that's the obvious, it's the suicide, but there's the mm. kind of uh, diving into the unknown of her, like mm. actually uh, allowing herself to really fall into the, the craft and the mastery of, mm. of that particular martial art. Because as, as a, a woman. As a woman, that's correct, mm. yeah. Who, I believe, and
1: just to reiterate the point we were talking about before, um, she would have been in this story the, the first, first woman to be uh, the equivalent of Cha Yong fat Which is, of course, the
0: reason why Cha Yong fats character died was because of that's that exact idea, yeah. that the rejection of, mm. the, of the woman mm. created this person who used mm. poison and used um, dark tactics to mm. be able to kind of um, kill and to, mm. to have her way. Mm. It... it
1: Jade Fox, I think her name was.
0: Yeah, the Jade Fox, yeah. And uh, I, just, I mean, there's so much of it is so Some, interesting. Oh,
1: hugely. And even one point, which which, um, given my research, I pick up on a lot, is that how angry Jade Fox is when she's when she's attempted to kill Xiao Long, little, the, the, the um, Zhang Zui's character, mm. um, because she did not share her understanding of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, she said, you did not. Share with me your kind of.
0: You did what those men did to me, where they wouldn't let me in to. But but, but
1: remember, she gave her some sense of her interpretation, because I believe that she's illiterate.
0: That's what it's true. Jade Fox is illiterate. So this
1: idea that her literacy allowed her to kind of. um, uh,
0: She could look at the pictures and she could understand to a certain degree, but beyond that. She
1: relied upon Zhang Zi's literacy Mm. to. acquire and her honesty and her literacy to 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 kind of reach her full potential but of course Jung Ziyi I guess unless it was just some innate um,
0: well she says in the in the film she says I I didn't think you'd be able to handle it I didn't think so, you'd so be it's clear that she, it.
1: she she took she held back she held
0: less, back because she like not just it wasn't just because she wanted more power but she also thought that she was couldn't it was a
1: kind of innocence of, of yeah or genuineness to the response there that's right yeah um because she clearly loved her master given that when, when Jade Fox dies, um, she kind of, Jung Z's character kind of reaches out and says, like, master, you know, and then she's like, I just wanted to fucking kill you. Like,
2: yeah, oh yeah my God. Yeah.
1: Um, but this idea that that the the secret thing, but think about it this way. The idea that your training, your the ability to kind of cultivate your martial prowess could be and was exclu- in a book. On to scroll mm. instead of in daily training.
0: That's right, discipline. So
1: it's like it's almost like daily training is irrelevant without the book. Yeah, the secrets, the secrets of kind of written records, um, divine records. Let's say it's like Kung Fu Panda. But Pan- he also says Kung says Panda it,
0: stuff, right? He, does, he says dragons, um, which I think they actually address in Kung Fu Panda, but that. He says that it's like you can have all this information, mm. and it means nothing without mm. discipline. Mm. It means nothing without holding the sword mm. and holding it still, mm. just as training. Because mm. that's a, that. Because that the sword is like a shaky, kind of wobbly sword. And he says that like mm. you, it's not just about mastering quiet, the, quiet. the shake; it's yeah. about holding it still. Yeah, and it's all that little shit. See, even that, that
1: even that has a finesse thing, which is um, one of the precepts of Taoism is Wu Wei, which is to take action in non-action or through non-action, mm-hmm. I should say. So mm-hmm. okay. to not act is a form of action. Uh, so in the Taoist model of statecraft, the, the ruler who does nothing and lets the people go um, and do their own thing is the kind of the the supreme ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, not because it's just like, you know, kick, kick, my, kick, kick my shoes off and just sit back and do no, nothing, no, but no, it's no. this kind of benevolent wisdom which allows one the patience and the kind of um, security of being able to let the people maximize the input of the people and minimize the input of the ruler. Mm-hmm. So a bad ruler intervenes all the time. Yeah, The right. best ruler never intervenes once. There's a good analogy of this in the Zhuangzi, which is a text from the Taoist. Uh, so it's one of the two major texts of Taoism, mm-hmm. uh, the Zhuangzi. It's named after the guy called Zhuangzi. Um, <laughs> Thanks. And it's um, about a butcher who talks about his practice as a butcher. And he says... Um, uh, when I was a young butcher, when I was just starting off, I would go through, you know, a knife, new knife every week. My knife would keep chipping. I'd keep hitting the bones of the animal carcasses. I'd keep, you know, cracking them I have to get new knives. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was kind of in the middle of my career, when I was really kind of starting to come into my own, um, I was actually only going through one blade a year because my kind of adeptness at this trade was um, to the point where I would so rarely nick... Um, Any bones that I uh, I would very rarely do any damage to my blade. Um, Now as a master uh, butcher, so butcher is a very low craft. So this idea that it's not about what you do, it's this this kind of mastery of that mastery of whatever it is. Yeah, Um, he's like, this is my knife.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: and I butcher (laughs) with it, and and he says, kind of, I glide through the flesh without thinking. I don't think about butchering anymore. I just butcher. Mm. I'm not trying to butcher. I'm just doing it. Yeah. And my, my, my blade never touches bone. <laughs> that's amazing. And this is the kind of analogy, right? And it's in, that's in, a Dao, it's in one of the major Taoist texts. This idea that this kind of thoughtlessness, losing oneself to achieve mastery. I mean, that's what you see Zhang Zi's character, the, the dragon's struggle is that she's like a, in some points in the film, she's like a rabid animal, isn't she? Like mm. she's kind of like, you know, when, she, when she's like assaulting her captors and she's running away from home and she's clearly like got a chip on her shoulder. Mm. Um, and she's the antithesis to to, to Chung um Chang Fat, who nonetheless kind of is relatively speaking her equal in terms of power for whatever reason. Mm. Um but of course his power comes from a much Discipline. Deep, deeper water. Yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah. like he he's never he's never um kind of uh he, she never put throws him off balance. Mm. Unless it's him thinking about her yeah like in other words, his care for her is intervening with his instead of uh, and it's obviously a paternal care um instead of uh his combat being inferior mm-hmm. um and that's that, that that's that point of mastery i think so um w- where this film throws a curveball and this, i presume this, the novel does too is that we chalyyum fat tells everybody including um his Love, love. Yeah. Um, that he would have
0: gladly dropped. Not it. bothered. Yeah.
1: And he would, if he had the choice again, he would have decided to take love to 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 be frivolous, to be animalistic, to not be transcendental, um, to not perfect himself, mm. but to live more basely in the terrestrial world, out of the mist. Um, <sighs> hmm.
0: I mean, it's like, look at, like, look at this, like really simple, I was telling you this before that mm. this reminds me of like the movie American Beauty and a few other films mm. where it's like, if you, if you just write down what happens in the film, the main plot points, mm. you go, okay, cool, well, great, but, you know, like some sort of gets stolen and it's just something important. This one reads like a Daniel Steele yeah, synopsis, like some romance yeah. novel, right? That's right. And then you, and then what you do is you take those points and you go, okay, mm. let's make a real movie out of this mm-hmm. and let's insert all this shit into it and then suddenly, oh my god
1: and ang lee who had the i'm not sure about american beauty was that a novel before i have no idea but But, but i'm pretty sure it was a script in this case there's a much there's a rich precedent already in the fact that the novels exist Mm -hmm. Uh, for for ang lee as a filmmaker to kind of to draw from um something that he can take what bits he wants and i think he took from some
0: other of course like never like never from
1: and from other yeah from other texts as well of course entirely but um but but for me, I mean there's obviously many ways to approach this, but for me what seems to what kind of really rings true with this film is um I think about Ang Lee as a kind of Taiwanese Chinese American. Um and think about the complexity of his kind of relationship to China as a construct. Mm-hmm. Um and think about the kind of flights of fancy he would um, the romances he would have Kind of had him, the, the kind of where he would, his imagination would take him when he was thinking about the China that might have been, or the China that was, yeah. and what that China looked like um, before China woke up to its, um, say, uh, its own arrogance or its own cloistered um, ignorance of the world, which is what it experienced in the the end years of the Qing Dynasty, um, which is that it it had been living a lie. For some time, in terms of its ability to um, stand up to the world, it didn't have any interest in 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 dealing with anyone else. There was no foreign policy. China did not have a foreign policy in the empire. Mm -hmm. It was there was no foreign. There was there was there was was vassal states. In other words, there was China's um, broader um, the 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 citizens of its empire, which didn't know it was part of its empire. Like Britain was yeah but yeah, you know, it's like you don't know this, but you're actually kind of is there, of to it. be a Chinese um vassal state mm-hmm. like okay, um no, of course, turns out the opposite was true mm. would become true um, with you know obviously awful consequences, but um but then it's kind of like through all that through all the his, the reality of that wake up moment, I mean what a beautiful dream China is uh, mm. or, or the idea of China is that 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 vision that that people clung to uh and and may have been true a a kind of much truer vision in earlier years um but then again when we start to look at the history and we think about even the Qing dynasty that was a that was a foreign takeover that was a hostile takeover from a kingdom uh, of people we call the Manchurians Mm. um who invaded from the north and occupied um China and made their way to imperial capital and overthrow the emperor and set up their own dynasty. And then the Yuan dynasty in a few centuries before was Mongolian. Uh, mm. The Khanate came in, you know, uh, walled not did very much to stop the horses um, and and occupied the throne of China. But what's what's extraordinary, if, even in both of those cases, I'm not sure if this is a summary point, mm. but in both of those cases, what we should note and why it's significant for our sense of the film is how potent an image of China that this film offers in terms of classical China. Mm. A China that has, um, is able to live up to its own expectations of itself. So in other words, what it sees itself as being is Chao Yun-Fat's serenity is legitimate. His, his serene self-confidence, his sure-footedness is legitimate. He can fight off anyone. Mm. Real China couldn't do that at all. So to me, Chai fat is the kind of actual, is the real China. He's the kind of analogy of China in a way. But to the point here that um, even the Mongols, you know, the barbarian horsemen and the Manchurians, when they invaded China, they didn't destroy China. China kind of swallowed them up. They became dynasties of mm. China. You think about it, it's kind of a bizarre thing, right? Yeah. You expect it's like I destroyed that civilization. I take, I take over. Yeah, yeah. it's mine now. Uh, it's mine now. This is it's mine. Not, this is, it's our, this is kingdom. This is my kingdom. But it's but made it's made China
0: two point right? exactly.
1: But yeah. even now, I mean, I wonder to what extent this is true. Even with you know the Communist Party, I mean, to what extent is this a, just another dynasty to some extent? Like how impervious is this construct of China, which is thousands of years old and has the um, in terms of uh, linguistic history and uh cultural history um is the is the longest is the oldest contiguous which means unbroken mm. um, uh, uh, kind of has the uh, kind of oldest contiguous writing system in terms of contiguous use writing system in the world so, mm. so the writing that was written in the earliest form earliest dynasties um is 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 morphologically a little different but still could technically be read by someone writing in Chinese today. Yeah, wow. 3,000 3, 3, years before or 3,000 years after. Um, so there is this, why I say that is because there is this resilience and this ongoingness to chinese to Chinese culture, which um, has yet to be really destroyed. Um, and I, I see, I just, I suppose I see in this film this kind of celebration of it's not one dynasty, it's not you know, two dynasties, it's something which underrides everything in China that... I mean, I'm not Chinese. I have no, aside from my interest and aside from my experience living there for a while, I have no kind of spiritual or cultural connections to China. Mm. But I, I occasionally I hope to th- I like to think I catch glimpses of what people who, who do have r- kind of real connections to China see when they see China. And it's this kind of magical place, mm. um, but not magical in a superficial sense. It has this kind of strength, which is the face of Chai Yun Fat in this film.
0: Well, I was just about to say that the, the, the same strength that gets that protects the new and protects the mm. the different mm. uh, and the powerful, mm. that then eventually that different and that powerful distracts him to a point where he gets one needle, which poisons him to death, mm. uh, Where and then passes on yeah, the yet, throne to yeah. this new... Yeah. Like, we're not just talking about, oh, there's another person. We're talking yeah. about a, a female, which in this culture, mm. in, in this culture of like martial arts is the first female. Totally. This is a and whole. And Ang Lee
1: has said, I read an interview that this, this film is a, kind of very much a feminist, kind of offers a feminist um, narrative in the sense of the sword kind of um, kind of representing the the kind of um, empowerment of women.
0: Mm. Uh, he's, a, he's talked in interviews he's talked about this, and he literally hand that's the that's yeah. the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and in this case, so this this of destiny.
0: The, the female in this film, the young female, yeah. is taking. Absolutely, this from the men. Absolutely, this you know,
1: this, this opening yeah. up moment, um, and we might even read that as not just literally that a feminist reading, but an analogical reading, an an analogy, where it's not just women, but it's it's kind of opening up um, of China, to to put it bluntly, to kind of any kind of outside. Like it's not it's kind of opening up this cloistered, um, conservative, past oriented, um, traditionalist um practice to a kind of an and anyone a newcomer so that something so, something dies but something is, still survives and something mm. stronger for it perhaps mm-hmm. and and all of these kind of nuanced readings in terms of comments on chinese identity in the 20th and 21st century um you know i think incredibly um, they're they're inc- incredibly delicate and incredibly rich for as
0: much as what they
1: the the hints that they 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 make um, about China in the twenty first century.
0: Holy shit! I mean, like, mind blown. we're just talking about this movie about people that fight and flying kind of shit, mm. and this is how we get to fucking amazing. I'm gonna. I mean, do you have much more to say? Because I. I mean, we probably could talk about this. always. Forever. Yes, but. but this is. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tie it off there because my mind's already can't absorb enough information. <laughs> I mean, I, I lost. It
1: might be the vodka. <laughs>
0: It might be, um, but still, God damn it. <laughs>
2: oh, so much
0: shit. So I'm just going to pull the plug yep. because if I'm overwhelmed, I imagine all the audiences.
1: Every single one of them.
0: That's right. All one of them. <laughs>
1: When we listen to it after this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. we're going to be so overwhelmed listening to ourselves.
0: That's right. It's no,
1: it was a joy. It was a joy.
0: Um, so much of a conc- concision, but whatever. Well, yeah, fuck it. I don't. I preferred this version of the story because mm. this is this has made me more intrigued and interested by it because mm. it's not just awesome choreography and mm. the way that it was shot. Which we probably we didn't even, we didn't even talk touch. About no, we didn't at um, all. That's a whole conversation. It, but it was.
1: I suppose in a way it was. It, the, as a, this is not a point to keep the things going, but um, your appreciation of the choreography, the fact that it kind of worked so well, it kind of worked naturally, much like your vocation with sound. I mean, mm. it was the kind of it's so successful that it, it, people could just kind of either go, "Hey, that's really cool," um, instead of being like the choreography interfering with the storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it just became part of... I mean, of course, it's more stigmatized. Good story...
0: And, good choreography is, yeah. in fact, that. It's, it's part it's of the complementary. Yeah, you're right. It's so central right, to this film, it's
1: probably a poor analogy, but... um, And but I could go into de-
0: super detail. Yeah. And the same thing goes with, like, I mean, we'll, we'll do more films in this, in this mm. kind of realm because when you look at, like, Jackie Chan films mm. and stuff like that, mm. it's all about choreography. Well, like well in,
1: like. as one final point and Jackie go, go, yeah. drunken master The the idea of the drunken master is a Taoist trope oh really yeah to because of course what do you do when you get drunk as we have documented yeah. here you you lose yourself yeah yeah. you right. you lose that kind of self-consciousness that that um you know, someone like jung zi's uh, character has like this idea of like you know crippling ego mm. uh when you get drunk you just you know you know think or, or a better analogy the the master the butcher uh master mm. butcher if you're think thinking anymore. about butchering, you're going to hit the bone. But when you're... And the same thing with Kung Fu, if you're if you, all kind of... Again, it's quite flippant when I say Kung Fu. It feels like it's more flippant than what it is. But we talk about Wu Xia and this idea of the trope of the night. I mean, yeah, it's, there's still kind of cheap romance to it. But really, even in Jackie Chan films and the earlier ones, at least in terms of Drunken Master. I mean, the trope that he uses in The, Kung, in the Drunken Master is a trope that is as old as Chinese philosophy. Um, so it's no kind of, even if it's funny, uh, I mean, uh, Zhang, uh, Zhuangzi was, was kind of condemned for, for, for instance, laughing at his wife's funeral. And I'll explain that one, but this is kind of the, the, the Taoist guy is the kind of troublemaker, uh, the rebel, um, final story on the drunken master thing. Okay, right? Go go Uh, there actually was a famous, um, painter, calligrapher in China, um, calligraphy and painting the drawing have no real distinction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just one thing um was invited he was under duress to come to court to um to to kind of show his skills off to the emperor he didn't want to come um but he was supposed to be a very learned man uh, who liked the source it just mm-hmm. turns out so you can imagine um we're talking about an age i actually can't remember the, the specifics of the story what dynasty it was or whatever but the for the purposes here of offering a kind of glimpse of the drunken master trope mm-hmm. um he was invited to court and he kind of is brought before the emperor in a time when you know, you'd you be beheaded for looking wrong. and um he rocks up to the court absolutely fucking tanked yeah, and right. and they're like holy shit this guy's gonna get his head cut off like what an absolute moron um and so he stumbles up you know through the main hall up to the steps i guess Mm-hmm. Where they've provided the kind of um, the courtesans have provided paper and ink for him and brushes, of course. To, to, and I and I imagine the emperor was kind of you know the story kind of scowling and like looking pretty skeptical, mm. uh, if not murderously, at <laughs> this 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 um, cretin who has been so bold as to um, arrive in the emperor's presence as a drunkard. The disrespect that that would imply. And um, and to make matters worse, when he gets to the um, paper and he's commanded to to draw, I imagine, quite curtly before he's killed, um, <laughs> he goes to pick up the brush, he knocks the bottle of ink over. Oh, my God. And you can imagine the gasp, like mm. this, the kind of gasp with <gasps> like the courtesans and yeah, the, and yeah, the yeah. eunuchs who so are like, oh, shit, this guy's got... And he goes, like he does the whole um, kind of, you know, Drunken amble. I've tried to describe without doing the gestures, but Piot can see it. Yeah, he kind of does the drunken reach towards the brush, and kind of while he's got like one eye closed, just kind of puts the brush on the paper, on the spilled ink, and with the spilled ink does this kind of like masterwork, right? Um, and 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 is ultimately begrudgingly kind of admitted it's like one of the greatest like painters of Chinese history um but this this idea of drunken mastery is to the point uh a very much a trope in in Chinese culture so uh it's not just some flippant Jackie Chanism. And that's how we did this podcast exactly right
0: we're trying to mastery to, we, are, we are masters. we are masters we are so good at our craft we
1: should we're definitely gonna f- do some kung fu in the garage after this oh dude see, I was thinking about that test. actually
0: watching this film I was like oh test. my god I want to do some <laughs> kung fu films I just want to make something like really bad and realize how terrible I am And
1: but I, I guess I'm in a fortunate position where I'm lucky that you know obviously with my research and studying China that um like like you say the kind of these, these, these references and complexities um, are only I mean obviously this is something that I'm just scratching the surface of and I don't think I'll ever get very far even in my whole life um, but it's it's so such a joy to be able to connect some of these dots yeah. to a broader Chinese cultural history.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah, and especially with such a culturally. I mean when you come to talking about western culture important film mm. that like, kind of bridged a lot of that gap yeah it was, the it was hugely successful obviously yeah yeah that's what, what was it 200 million yeah like that it made and it was like a 17
1: yeah, uh, yeah yeah it was yeah made at least upwards of 200 million just, after costs yeah
0: yeah fucking crazy all
1: right 1.5 million dollars in china which is yeah
0: which is amazing oh just, just
1: as a final reference to that that's uh, Ang angley is a taiwanese director um, you don't need to know too much about chinese politics to understand why it, mainland communist china would be uninterested in promoting that it. was
0: 1.5 million in like uh, in like download costs for electricity and, uh, you know, internet bills, yep, yep. not actually... Whereas uh, 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 Zhang
1: Yimou's film Hero uh, made something like, I'm sure it made like 200 million in China or something. Maybe not quite that much. But, uh, but anyway, it was because it was a Chinese director, mainland Chinese director, and therefore the the consumer masses of chinese population was allowed to sink its teeth into this film or, pro- or instructed mm. to sink its teeth into this film um in a way that it wasn't clearly forward god oh, that's
0: so we should do a comparison mm. that'd be interesting okay no, oh, no, no. we can't there's, there's, there's no, 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 no shortage of stuff. This, no no not now
1: amazing. but there's no shortage of um comparisons to make the difference between the the dias chinese diaspora films so films that are made by china's Uh, members of china's diaspora so chinese Mm -hmm. living outside of china and uh, films that are made about china that are made with the blessing of the communist party and within china uh they that is a very very interesting and very different kind of um exploration of china's past which does hint at the book burning uh Mm. kind of history bending powers of older emperors
0: oh my god this is like a um, like a wind up to the next episode. I feel like that's what. When we actually up. burn the books. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. We'll just buy some books and just yep. burn them. Yep, that'll just... make for a great podcast. <laughs> the sound of a crackling fire.
1: You can hear how how kind of you know
0: history is being changed <laughs> by, by our burning. All right, all oh, the gonna... humanity. We're doing we we're, we're, we're quitting this because like we gotta we gotta stop this because there's so much more to, to talk about. So thank you so much. For um actually giving me your knowledge. Me? Yes, handing it over. Uh, uh no,
1: thank you for for for
0: enduring it. <laughs> I, no, I wasn't enduring it. I was I was enjoying facilitating it. I just know I have to hit the brakes at some point. Um because we could probably be here to midnight, which, mm. you know, it's not far fetched from what time it is, oh my god. Um uh yeah, so thank you and um shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs>